tells us that Yaakov Avinu is born, Ace of Two, I suppose, through Vayater Yitzchak Lashem Lenochach Ishto Ki Akarahi Vayater Lashem Atar Rivka Ishto Rivka is an Akara, she's incapable of giving birth. And Yitzchak and Rivka take their positions, you know, in this corner, in that corner. And they beseech their Rabbana Shalom, they ask Hashem to be zochet to children, to be zochet to the hemshech of the shalshelis, of, of the birthing of Nishmas Yisrael in the world. And the bureau that takes place with that, with the birth of Yaakov and the sending away of Esav. And the same with that Yitzchak is chosen and Yishmael is not chosen, Yaakov is chosen and Esav is not chosen. And Rashi tells us that even though it says, Vayater Yitzchak Hashem Lenochach Ishto, presumably, as Rashi tells us, they were both davening together, Vayater Lo Hashem. Now, the Pashtus and the Pasuk, if you just read the Pasuk simply, it says, Vayater Yitzchak Hashem Lenochach Ishto. It doesn't say that his wife is davening. It doesn't mention that his wife is davening too. Rashi tells us that they were each davening in their own corner. And then it's surprising that it says, Vayater Lo, meaning if they were both davening, so then why only... Was he answered and not her? But the Pashta says that he's davening. And Rifka gives birth. In other words, the Tzaddik is answered, Yitzchak is answered. But according to Rashi, Rashi says something which I want to delve into a little because I think that this is an Akuda Chashuva for our for our Chaburah here, and for our door, and for the Tkufa that we're in right now. Rashi says that the reason that Yitzchak is answered before Rivka, and says that he is answered, and doesn't mention anything about her being answered, even though they were both davening, is because Yitzchak is a tzaddik who is the son of a tzaddik. Whereas Rivka doesn't have the yichus She's a tzaddikis, but she's Bas Rishayim. She's a daughter of Rishayim. And the Mepharshim are slightly bothered by this, you know, like, uh, I don't know, maybe you could say the opposite. Maybe you would say 
but the fact that a tzaddik gives birth to a tzaddik, and you know he grew up with he had good, good nature and good nurture in the tzaddik's house, so that puts him in a position to become a tzaddik himself. That's like not such a big chap. But Rivka, who was able to find the derech Hashem, who was able to find this mahalach, even though she herself didn't grow up seeing, let's say the most noble of acts in her home. <coughs> So, shouldn't that mean that she's deserving of being answered first? Maybe. So there's a mahalach which is found in the second volume of the Sefer Mechtav Meliyahu, Rav Dessler. Writes something which I think is so yisodistic in a person's voice Hashem. Rav Dessler says that to be a tzaddik ben tzaddik, to be a tzaddik who is the son of another tzaddik, and yet to be so drastically different than your father, for Yitzchak to be so drastically different than Avram Avinu. Mamash, they're like opposite ends of the world. Is a higher madrega, is a higher thing to do than to see that your father's a low life and to go and run in the opposite direction. Meaning the greatest taiva in the world for Yitzchak must have been, I just want to be like Dad. I just want to be like Allah. I just want to copy exactly what he does. You see certain things by, by a tzaddik acting in a, in a certain way, and you jump onto that thinking that if that's the way he's acting, I need to act in the same way. You know, there's a, a it's brought down in, in, I don't remember if it's in Nefesh Harav or Minknine Harav, in one of the Salvechik uh, anthologies that Rav Shechter Shlita wrote about his Rebbe. And there's a Maisa in there about how it's right there in the beginning. It talks about uh, a certain a certain sage, you know, Rav Moshe Salavichik, or the Rav's father, his stomach had lots of tzaddikim passing through the house all the time. And there was a certain tzaddik who was passing, a, a Tam Chacham, a Rav, or a Shiva was passing through the house. And, um, and sometimes the Rav would sit near him while he was, you know, they would go to shul together. And Rav Salavichik, the young uh, Yosef Dov, Yashaber, as a young boy, he would, he would sit like near the, his father and the guest, and, and he like would take in this, you know, this Rosh Hashiva's, this Rosh Hashiva's davening uh, nuances. And this Rosh Hashiva had a particular thing that he would do, this was his Indian, that when he would say Shema, so he would say, the, first of all, he would say the Pasuk very loud, he would say it like out loud, and he would hold his hand in a certain way over his face that was like, you know, he was very lost in the Dveikus, this particular tzaddik, even uh, even a friend of Rav, a friend of Rav Moshe Salavechik, uh, you know, not a chassidish rebbe to say the least, and he, he deeply lost in the dveikas of Shema as a person should. There's deep kavanas for Shema. Reiterate that the tzaddikim uh, now are saying that Shema is Shema is the, is the greatest weapon that we have, so we should be extra careful with Shema, Shachars, and uh, and and Marv. And before we go to sleep, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. A person should really really try to focus, take an extra five, ten seconds on Shema. Anyway, so this was happening, and, and then, you know, this tzaddik left, and after he left, so Rav Salvechik's father noticed that the young Yashaber was, like, imitating this Rav in a way of, of trying to be, not, like, to make fun, he was, he was, like, t- he took it on as his own, his own Indian, so the Rav started saying the Shema with, like, a with this loud voice, and he was doing it, I guess he was very taken by this Rosh Hashiva, and he started to do it, and, you know, maybe his old school, different thing, different time, different relationship, don't take any halacha or from this, but his father slapped him. His father gave it to him, gave him a patch across the cheek. A patch across the cheek. And 
you know, he was kind of stunned by it, you know, and he looked at his father and his father, and his father said, don't you ever imitate somebody like that. You ever imitate somebody like that. Right? Every family has their own, I'm not again, every family has their own mahalach, and you know, some people will only give their kids a whack if they're like running into a street, you know, it's like dangerous. Imitating somebody in this way was very dangerous. Very dangerous. Yitzchak Avinu's answered first because Yitzchak Avinu passed the test of not, not imitating. Not imitating. There's a big taiva in the world to imitate. To imitate other tzaddikim. Now we have pictures and videos of tzaddikim like we never had before ever. And now you, all of you, maybe if you're not signed up for those WhatsApp groups yet, um, you know, if, if, if you're not, you're not uh, necessarily exposed to all these images yet, so at the same time, you're, you're 18, you're 19 years old, you're in yeshiva, and you see, you see people who are a few years, maybe Shana Bekai, maybe it's a, maybe Shana is looking at the, at the Madrich, maybe the Madrich is looking at the Rebbe. Don't imitate anybody. There's a Torah from Tzadok. It's really a Torah for next week's Parsha, but okay. Yaakov Avinu has the dream of the Sula Mutzavartza of Rosh Hashanah Shemaima. You know where the urge to imitate comes from? It comes from something very holy. The urge to imitate comes from the fact that really all of us are multifaceted. You know, the, the, like the Nefesh Chaim explained, that what we have down here in terms of our giloy, of our conscious state down here, is like the muscle that he gives, it's like the it's like the lowest expression. It's like the foot compared to the brain. You know, that's what your entire conscious experience is compared to what you really are, Lamala. You're getting some tiny, very low resolution experience of consciousness down here. That's mamish like the foot inside of a shoe compared to what's going on above, what you don't have access to. You're, we're just like a foot inside of a shoe. That's the whole thing. The Nefesh Chaim talks about this like, because that's the secret of what Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu to take his shoes off in a holy place. When the Kohanim take their shoes off in a holy place. And when Yahushua is told to take his shoes off in a holy place. What that means is, is have an experience where you remove this regular state of consciousness and realize, link up with something that's higher than just the regular Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama that you have access to, but link up to the prophetic state which is where you all of a sudden realize Mamish like... Uh, like a, like a rock being lifted up and there's like all these animals under there that think that that's the whole reality. There's like little worms and, and, and creepy crawlies under there. They think that's the whole world and then someone lifts up the rock and all of a sudden, there's a whole world beyond. Take off your shoes. The urge to imitate other people is because we all have an urge to imitate our higher selves. Rav Tzadik says that when the Malachim are old in the Yardim on this ladder, they're going up in this face on a medrash. The medrash says the malchim are holding the yardim on the ladder and they're looking at Yaakov Avinu and they're seeing Yaakov Avinu asleep on the floor and then they climb up the ladder and they look at Yaakov Avinu on the, on the kisei akavod. His face is etched into the kisei akavod. They come back down they see this guy lying on the floor. They see a guy etched on the kisei akavod and they can't believe it. They say, this is the same guy? The guy who's lying here on the floor is the guy on the kisei akavod? They can't believe it. And Rav Tzadik has a whole mahalach about this. That every person has a dios dikno of himself. There's, a, there's, there's some future image of yourself that you're chasing after. And when you catch a glimpse of that in another person, there's, a, there's, an, ur, there's an urge that you have to imitate that other person, but don't resist. You should resist the urge to imitate the other person. 
and to attempt to go deeper into yourself and to recognize that Hashem made you born to the specific family that you were born to and the specific trappings that you were born to with all of the different unique individual facets that you were born to and to make yourself into a tzaddik that's uniquely you. Yitzchak Aminu did not become Avram part two. He became Yitzchak. He became something totally different. And Tov Shakach. Because if he would have been Avram part two, there would have been no need for him. Rivka also became her own individual person, but for her it was easy because she didn't have a model that she would have thought to follow and to copy. A tzaddik ben tzaddik gets answered before a tzaddikes who is, or, or a tzaddik who is the son of a rasha or a daughter of a rasha because they have to uniquely trace something out. They have to find something unique. There's a toldos. There's a, there's a generation to generation. There's a passing from one Nakuda to the next Nakuda. And the biggest pella is that as you go through the Parsha and you start to read about Yitzchak Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu, he does say some of the same things as his father. Right? For all the talk about how Yitzchak is so different than Avram, he goes down during a famine and says, my wife is my sister. He digs wells. It's, it's similar, but it's a, a totally different mahalach. And the reason that Yitzchak is zochet to do such a thing there's a, there's a Torah from one of the tzaddikim. I want to say it's from, from the base Medrash of Radomsk. I'm not 100% sure. You know, last week we were talking about how, how Sarah is buried in Kiryat Arba. And, uh, and, and it's not stam that the Torah reveals such a thing. So there's a Torah that... that in this week, the Torah is describing Yitzchak as living in Gerar. Who cares? Anyone know where Gerar is? Maza Gerar. What do we care about Gerar? So Talmud Mabashan to explain that what it means that Yitzchak is living in Gerar is that Yitzchak, Yitzchak is the word Gerar, like even in modern Hebrew, means to like be a toad, you know, like a tow truck. It means to be dragged. When we say that Yitzchak lived in Gerar, it means he was being dragged by Hashem. Yitzchak's whole Bechina is a Bechina of Gvor, he's Kovish as Yitzro. Whatever Hashem wants, just drag me. Avram Avinu's whole Indian is Hashem says, I'm not telling you where to go. Lech lecha. It's chesed, it's pashtus. Go, go walk everywhere. Go try everything and walk everywhere until you find the place that I'll show you. And even then, Avram Avinu's whole midah is the midah of chesed. Yeah, Yitzchak has no, just whatever it is, whatever it is that Hashem wants. He lives in Gerar, it's not just a physical location. Maybe there. Definitely there is a physical location called Gerar. But the fact that the Torah tells us that, the can say, means that there's a, there's a midah of Yitzchak, which is called, that I get, Hashem is just a tow truck pulling me wherever he wants me to go. It's all mapped out for me. I could just follow the exact same thing as my father and whatever Hashem wants, that's what I'm going to do. In a time like we're in right now, where there's, there's a, a, a deep confusion about what to do. You know, no one knows how to react to... And now we're already in it a little bit. But when you're at a time when it's not clear how to act. We don't know exactly what's the protocol. So of course, 
I'm not suggesting anarchy here. I'm not suggesting that, you know, 18-year-olds or 38-year-olds or 39-year-olds or 40-year-olds or anybody should be making drastic uh, decisions about how they should be relating to this. And obviously there's, we look to Gedolei Yisrael to, to help us navigate these things. At the same time, there's a unique opportunity that I've been feeling. And that's why I'm talking about it. That I've been feeling, which is that since there's no real precedent for how to, it's not like the Jewish people haven't faced tragedy before. We've, chased, we've faced tragedy before. But we've faced tragedy before in foreign lands. Even here we've had things, but not drawn out like this. And a person has to be very attuned to the radar of their higher self and ask themselves whether just because there's something that's being sent around or there's something that's being expressed as the, the proper reaction, a person has to check themselves very deeply to find out, to make sure that the way that they're reacting to things is in concert with their higher with their higher self. To take off your shoes every once in a while. Remove your shoes every once in a while. Physically if you have to. So you can meditate on this, do this psychosomatic exercise. Take off your shoes for a minute. Before you realize before you say, because I heard this reaction or this seems to be the reaction, I need to I need to follow that reaction. I need to do that. Yaakov Avinu is his own thing, also. Yaakov Avinu becomes a, th- a third Mahalach. Probably the best way, the best way to do this, because, right, Chavra, let's be honest, if you don't know what to do, and you have a Rebbe sitting here in a dark room telling you, just follow your instinct, it could end up very bad. Don't, that's not, don't, no one should misunderstand me. You should follow the Mahalach of Yaakov Avinu on a certain level in your own way. And Yaakov Inu gives us a beautiful, a beautiful way to pull these two worlds together. Yaakov Inu is called the Ishtam Yoshev Ohalim. He's sitting in tents, plural. He's sitting in tents, plural. For Yaakov Inu, Yaakov Inu recognizes that the only way that he can somehow make his own way, he, what, are you going to just make it up? You're just going to, at the age of 18, you're going to just make up ideas of how you're going to react to, to global conflict or anything. <laughs> Yaakov recognizes that you need to have multiple teachers. You have to have multiple teachers. He's Yoshev Ohalim, plural. He sits in tents. And Yaakov recognizes, and I think that's, we're so fortunate to live in a generation where we have the opportunity to have multiple teachers. It's the it's on the one hand the greatest gift that people who grew up like us are Zochetu. Did you know that there's such a thing as people who grew up where it's like unheard of that they would both learn Svas Emes and Tanya? Unheard of. That they would learn Hasidus from one Rebbe and from another Rebbe. Or even more so that they would learn Svas Emes and Rav Kook. Unheard of. Or that they would learn Rav Kook, Svas Emes, Tanya, and Nefesh Achan, and Rav Salvechik. Now, there's a huge 
achrayas on people who grew up like us because there's a lot to learn. You know, you can't just have like your Rebbe's Svarim on the shelf and then everything else is like... All of you, unless I'm deeply mistaken about how, you know, most of us grew up here, grew up in a world where there's an opportunity that waits for us, that there is a world of Torah from so many... And for some of you, maybe you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, I didn't even realize those are different things. I don't know. I didn't realize there's like such a big... There's such a big gap between... It's unheard of. It's unheard of what, what's sitting on our bookshelf upstairs in our base medrash and in Bate Medrash that are similar to, you know, B'nai Shurin Library, thanks to my father, right? That has all of these different... From, from, from all different streams of life within the large tent umbrella of Bonagir Orthodox Judaism. To be able to draw from all of those things and to create some sort of unique worldview is a tremendous, tremendous achrayas. And puts us in a position where if we, if we do that, then we stand, it stands to reason that we could possibly become something which is unique, which is new. My point here is not that you should just follow your own intuition blindly, but that you should drink widely from many different svarim because you have the fortune of doing that. And be able to, for yourself, become a tzaddik ben tzaddik. To be able to pull the tzidkos out of all these different streams and to be a tzaddik ben tzaddik who is a unique phenomenon in the world. That's what Parshas told us asks from us. At least that's what I'm thinking about right now. It's Kislev. It's Kislev. It's Kislev. You know, Kislev, thank you. Kislev is, um, is a word that we find in Tanakh. It's a word that we find in Tanakh twice. I mean, it's a word that we find in Tanakh several times because uh, it's a reference to the month. But it, it's, it's found twice in the, in the form of a noun, of an object. Of a person, place, or thing. The pasuk in Eov. There's a pasuk in Yechezkel, I believe. Kislecha or Kislo is a reference to a to a walking stick. It's a, it's a reference to something you lean on heavily. Something you you lean into, and a person who can't walk without uh, support. That's what a kislev is. A kislev is something that you can lean on and it's a support. And so, normally, normally, uh, a Jew is walking around, especially these, these days when it gets like a little bit dark, a little bit quickly. So a Jew is walking around with a sense of, uh, a sense of lack of support. We can't even see. It gets dark so early. There's a disease, or a, a condition, I guess, more than a disease, a psychological condition called seasonal affective disorder. Rosh Hashanah sad, because that's what it is, seasonal affective disorder. You basically, because it gets dark so early, you know, you get sad. And the literal therapy for it is something called phototherapy. Sounds like not real, but it's totally real. 
they 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 put you in a room like a like a tanning booth, except instead of it like frying your skin and turning it, you know, tan, it's just a it's a like a tanning booth without the whatever it is that causes your skin to become a different color, and it's just a, a light box. You just spend some time in this light box, and you do this over the course of X number of uh, weeks, and this cures seasonal affective disorder. So, Kislev is a time when a Jew is in need of deep support. And fortunately, Hashem sends us the support of a light box. A light box that's coming faster than you realize. And this is the Jewish uh, method of curing seasonal affective disorder. But I want to tell you this. The Indian of the menorah that we're preparing for is that when you look into the menorah, this is a Torah that I heard from my Rebbe when I was 18 years old. And when you look at the menorah, the menorah has three parts. And we have a good example here, but it's not a menorah. We have the, we have the psil, that's the wick. You have the shemen, you have the thing that's the substance that's allowing the fire to burn. And you have the ner, you have the, the candle, the flame. So when you look at the candle, you have a ner, a psil, and the shemen. Or sha'ava is wax. You have the ner, the psil, and the shemen. So the Svar HaKadoshim say that when you're looking at the menorah, it's true of the Shabbos candles also, but when you're looking at the candles of the menorah, it's true you're not allowed to read by the light of the menorah unless you have a shamish. But you are supposed to look at the, the candles. And it could be they're not supposed to use them for mundane things, but you are supposed to look at the candles. And when you look at the candles, that is the support that Hashem is giving you. So the Svar Makadoshim say that when you look at the candles, the candles ner psil shemen, roshetevos nefesh, ner psil shemen. You look here and you try to find the nun. And you look at the psil and you try to find the pe. Look at the shemen and you try to find the shem. And then you daven to Hashem and you say, Rabboni Shalom, please be megala to me, the source of my nefesh on high. Ki ner Hashem nishmas adam. When a person looks at the candles, they recognize that it gets dark early for a good reason. That's because when it gets dark early, you can't see anybody else. It's time, it's time to start looking deeper at yourself. It's time to stop copying other people. The only thing that you do is near Isha base, so you light a candle, or Mahajan and Mahajan. You light a few candles, and you look at that candle, and you don't use it to look at anything else. It's utterly shtamish bahem. Not looking at anything else. I don't want to read anyone else's thoughts. I can't read thoughts by the candle of somebody else's writing. It's a time of, of deep giloy, of the essence of who I really am. And so Hashem should help us that in the merit of these Torahs, the Torah of, of Yitzchak Avinu, who resisted the urge to copy other people, and Hashem who gave us the dark nights of Kislev and Teves, to be able to contemplate, not looking at other people, but to be able to look at ourselves, Hashem should send us speedily the light of Hanukkah, which is coming to us to heal us in our moment of, of sickness, like, uh, like the Lukut Alachos, like Rav Nasser Breslover explains at length, that the reason that Hashem comes down, comes beneath ten tfachim, the only other time we find that Hashem's Shekhinah comes below ten tfachim is for a sick person, to come visit a sick person. And so it's coming to heal us from our sickness, and the Shekhinah should come and to reveal to us the secret of our souls, so that we'll be able to know what it is that we're supposed to do when we're reacting to things which are utterly new. Even if, we're old, even if we're old souls, there's new ways to react to the new situations that we're, that we're in right now. So it's Kislev, 
And um, I think I probably need a capo for this, but I'm gonna have to try it anyway. You have one? I'm trying to find there's one in there. No, he doesn't have one. Too bad. on a wagon driving to his Rebbe on the way for Hanukkah. That's, that was always my kavana. Like, this is the song you sing when you're driving to your Rebbe on the way to Hanukkah. Which is why it's the Kislev name. It's not a Hanukkah name. It's a Kislev name because I already start preparing to go. So that's a steer to what we were just talking about. That's what I was thinking as I was just playing that. That's a steer. I mean, I'm going to my Rebbe to learn how to, you know, what do you go to your Rebbe for? Like the famous Misa from one of the Tamil Nagarath Mezzers. I came to I came to just watch you see how you tie your shoes. I came to watch you to find to see how you tie your shoes. Now the Pashtas in the story is I came to watch you to see how you tie your shoes because I want to tie my shoes the way you tie your shoes. I want to say Krishma the way you say Krishma. I want to dive in the way that you dive. I'm not sure that's the Pshat. I'm not sure that's the Pshat. Being in the presence of a tzaddik helps you to be able to see with your own eyes. A person, that's not, that's not the goal. The goal of being around tzaddikim is not to see how they do things so you can copy them. It's to see somebody who is truly copying themselves. That's the goal. And when, you, when you finally find somebody who's really copying themselves, who's not stuck in the narishkeit of how the world... Then they teach you the trick. The one, the one thing you should copy them, right? like the, like the Misa with the son of the Ishbitzer, right? when the Ishbitzer passed away, so his, so his son took over. And, uh, and by the first Tish, by the fir- I'm sorry for interrupting the song in the middle, it's important Nakuda. By the first Tish, uh, he did everything different than his, than his father. And some of the older Hasidim said, what's the deal, you know, you don't do anything like your father. Your father used to first eat the gefilte fish, then he would say, Dvartar, you said the Dvartar, then you ate the gefilte fish. Your father used to hold the cup like this, you hold the cup like this. Your father used to do like this, you do like that. 
You don't do anything like your father. What is this? What kind of hishtalshos of a, of a chassidus is this? And he said, what are you talking about? I do everything exactly like my father. I said, what do you mean? He said, my father didn't copy anybody and I don't copy anybody either. That's what he said. So the reason you go to a tzaddik to link up with a tzaddik is not to copy the tzaddik. The reason you come to, to yeshiva where there are very nice rabbis, uh, tzaddikim, we're, we're all trying just like you. But the reason why you come to yeshiva, the reason why you, you, you come to learn is not so you can copy. You know? I want to talk pet peeves, like Ritzon, like let that be someone else's in. You know, like that's, you don't have to copy. You don't have to copy. Find your own mahalach. Find your own way. Express yourself as your own way. It's good. It's okay. It's sweet to copy also a little. But, but f- go, go travel to a Rebbe on, on, in Kislev so you can be by somebody and find, be a, say, wow, that person is doing something totally unique in the world. And then they give you the confidence and the way to be able to study Torah that you'll be able to find your own unique path in Bodhisattva. Anyway, it looks like we found out how to sing the niggin. We can sing it like a little bit higher. I hope it won't bite us in the third part.
meaning to say to visit our to visit the Rebbe, the Dius Dukna of each person that we have above. So you're traveling to a place where you're trying to find your own nefesh. You could look at the candle if it helps you. You could walk out if it helps you and you're like, I'm not following this guy anywhere. Not, you know? But be a rebel, travel to your, travel to your inner Rebbe. That's what I... We have to end in a minute also, but... Didn't I? said that uh, the plishtim come and they stuff up the wells of Avram. Satmu. Satmu. They stuff up the wells of Avram. Rav Chabunim of Pshischa said that the, the Iker Klipa of the plishtim of the Pilishtim Is that is a lesson of the satmu? Satmu is a lesson of stam. Stam means there's nothing chashav here. And I think we spoke about this a few weeks ago, but I, I want to reiterate it as a tefillah. Stam means that they closed up the wells of Avram of you know, that Yitzchak had to then redig. It means that they, they thought that the wells were just wells. They said that they, they claimed that the wells were just stam wells. And if you're doing Shnaya Mikra, so you recognize that these wells are the Beis HaMikdash. 
These wells are the Beis HaMikdash. Rashi explains from Chazal that each of these wells represents one of the base of Batei Mikdash. Ramban. Look at the Ramban in these Pesukim. Ein Stam by a Jew. And the Jew teaches the whole world that Ein Stam by a person who is made with Salam There's no such thing as Stam. Everything is filled with infinite meaning. Infinite meaning. The Beis HaMikdash is a place that from that place, from the Evan HaShasiyah, from the foundation stone, the place where Shemaim and Aris kiss, where heaven and earth kiss, that's the place that sends out reverberations to the whole world that nothing is Stam. Nothing is Stam. Everything is deeply, deeply meaningful. And so part of the Giloy of the Beis HaMikdash, that's part of what we're doing here, over the past few weeks, part of the giloy of the or of the Beis Hamikdash is to plishtim plishtim, gzeir shalva, is that there's no stam by a Jew. Believe in what you're doing. Believe in what you're doing as part of this. That's also part of what we were just talking about before. Believe in what you're doing as part of the effort for being the gala, the or of the Beis Hamikdash in the world. If you're tying tzitzis, tie tzitzis. If you're learning Torah, learn Torah. If you're davening, daven. If you're eating then eat. But do it in a way where you're being Megala, the ore of the basic Mikdash in the world. That's all I have to say about that.